sensation and sounds built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Magnesium is naturally found in foods like... This is the Well and Good Podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Dating has changed as a result of the pandemic, but for the most part, our outlook has not. Our approaches are so textbook that dating coach Logan Yuri has even bucketed us into three tendencies. I'm senior producer Taylor Camille, and I myself have the tendency to romanticize dating through a lens of rose-tinted glasses. It's not that I expect to get whisked away by someone charming, but wouldn't that be nice? And safe to say the slew of imagery from movies and media don't help. I mean, one of my favorite rom-coms, The Holiday, has convinced me that if I swap houses with a woman in the UK after a bad breakup, Jude Law will come knocking at my door and I'll live happily ever after. Who are you? Iris, open the door or I swear I'm going to take a leap all over your front. Oh, you're not Iris. Or if you are, I'm much drunker than I realised. I'm sorry for my profanity. I wasn't expecting uh, you. (laughs) No, I wasn't expecting you either. So how can we form more realistic expectations about our love lives and stop looking for the sparks to light the way? I'm Logan Yuri. I am the author of How to Not Die Alone, and I am the director of relationship science at the dating app Hinge. The last line of my book is forget happily ever after. It's about intentionally ever after. Mm -hmm. And that's something that really happened a lot during the pandemic because people were home. They were alone a lot of the time and they thought more about their lives. And they were like, this part doesn't feel good. This part doesn't feel good. Who am I? What do I want? What kind of partner do I want to be with? What kind of relationship do I want? And that wouldn't have happened in normal life because- You're so busy running around to happy hours and your job and your cousin's wedding. And so that slowing down, really going deep inside and thinking more about what you want helps people get more intentional. And that's been showing up in dating for, I would say, at least the last 18 months. And the most recent iteration of that is uh, this concept of hardballing, which is this term that means that people are not really willing to waste time. And on an early date, they say, hey, 
what are you looking for? Here's what I'm looking for. Are we looking for the same thing? And so it's been super interesting to see like how intentionality has turned into a different way of dating. In addition to hardballing, I wondered what other ways our increased desire for connection in the pandemic may have impacted our romantic lives. I think that we're seeing a lot of ongoing impacts of people being lonely. So some of these are turbo relationships where Mm -hmm. people were like, well, I'm not that into this person, but I'm going to shack up with them right away because I'd rather be with someone I'm not that into than be alone. We also saw a lot of relationships break up. People who were like, well, turns out my fiance and I have nothing in common, but I didn't realize that because they're a traveling salesman and we actually weren't (laughs) hanging out that much. And so we're seeing a lot of impacts on relationships. But the fact that even in March, 2020, people were messaging more people and for each person, they were sending more messages per person. I think it just became really clear that love was not something that was optional or going to go away. In fact, people Mm -hmm. felt even more of a desire to connect. And so it sort of spoke to the universality of finding a partnership and wanting to have that connection. So when we're seeking connection, how can we identify the difference between falling in love and being in love? I approach things with this angle where I pull in research from different fields. So one is the field of relationship science, which is the study of how love works. And for your listeners, if they're not familiar with this concept, there are academics out there, including one of my mentors, Eli Finkel at Northwestern, who are studying attraction, who are studying long-term relationship compatibility, things like that. There's also a field called behavioral science, which is the study of how we make decisions. And so I'm bringing in ideas from those two fields to give people advice. And so in behavioral science, there's this concept called the transition rule. And the transition rule is when you project out things into the future, this idea that when we think about how something would feel, we think about the change from our current state to where we would go. But actually you just adapt. Like if I said to you, Taylor, how would you feel if you won the lottery and how happy would you be? Typically what happens is that that person starts thinking about, oh my God, suddenly I'd be so rich and I'd buy my mom a house and I would get a manicure every week and I would get this. And they start thinking about the feeling of becoming very rich and going from, not to assume, you know, whatever you are now, but this, (laughs) so like they think about the change between their life and becoming a lottery winner. But what Mm -hmm. we know is that people adapt to whatever is around them and that most lottery winners within a year or two go back to the same level of happiness that they were before they won the lottery. Mm -hmm. And so when I apply that to love, it's when you think about being single and you think about finding someone, you actually really focus on the falling in love, the really intense change of going from not having someone to having someone. But when you are in a relationship, eventually you adapt to it and you get used to it. That might sound very obvious when I say it, like, yeah, you're not always falling. Eventually you're just in love, but People get very caught up on this. And I coach people who say, you know, I met this woman. I really liked her. The first six months were amazing. Then it started to wear off and this and that. And what they're actually describing is that they just go from falling in love to falling in love to falling in love, always leaving the person right after the honeymoon stage because they think that they should be in a constant state of falling in love. And that's just not realistic. And so instead of saying, what's broken? I don't feel the same feelings anymore. It's actually no. Love goes through stages. And in the beginning, your brain is literally on the drug of love. There are brain scans that the biological anthropologist Helen Fisher has done that show that being in love and falling in love is like being on a 
like cocaine, like it's being on a really strong drug. And then that fades over time and the honeymoon period goes away and you go into a more sustainable type of love. And so for many people, if they're not exposed to that concept, when the honeymoon period fades, they think something's wrong. Yeah. You mentioned your past interviews and I, I wanted to know, in one, you said love is natural, but dating is not. And I wondered what you meant by that. Yeah, this is a concept that I think about all the time because even when I was researching my book or the work I do now, sometimes I encounter people who are just like, why are you trying to teach a class on dating? Or isn't it embarrassing that people have to go to you for dating advice? Like what's wrong with society that people have to do that? And I just feel the opposite about it. I'm like, look, love is a natural instinct. We're born knowing how to love, but dating as we know it is a relatively new phenomenon in the span of human history. Dating the concept of an individual finding another individual without a matchmaker, without their parents, that only came around in around the year 1890. And there's a great book on this called Labor of Love by Maura Weigel, and it's the history of modern dating. So Mm. if you're like, all right, this thing's been around for less than 150 years, and the idea of the apps has been around for about 10 years, this is a new thing and people need help and dating is a skill. And so instead of saying, why am I not born knowing how to date? Think about it like doing your taxes. Some people do their own taxes, but a lot of people get accountants. Maybe even a better analogy than an accountant is, you know, a personal trainer or a nutritionist. It's Mm -hmm. like, yes, you could figure it out yourself, but there are experts who could make you better at this skill. And so if you actually take away the stigma of I'm bad at dating and you say, oh, dating is a skill and I'd like to get better at it, I think that's actually empowering for a lot of people. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash As someone with an accountant, yes, I have an A-plus in adulting, and yes, I strongly dislike that word. It was empowering to hear Logan say, dating isn't intuitive, and we all need help and a nudge to do it. Before speaking with Logan, I took her online quiz to find out where my dating tendencies lie, which we'll link in the show notes so you can discover yours too, and I found it helpful in assessing how I show up when it comes to dating. Here's how she buckets us. As a dating coach, and I've worked with different people, different ages, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different countries, et cetera, I had this feeling of all these people have something in common, and I tried to put my finger on what it was. That's how I came up with this framework of the three dating tendencies. The core idea is that many of the people I worked with all suffer from unrealistic expectations. And then I categorize them based on that unrealistic expectation. So the first tendency is the maximizer and they have unrealistic expectations of their partner. 
Mm-hmm. And so this might sound very Bay Area, but these are real examples where I work with guys who are like, I like my girlfriend, but could she be 5% more ambitious or 5% more into trail running? These like kind of ridiculous things where you're like, oh, you're really quantifying somebody's personality traits, but that's how they feel. They're super optimizers looking to make the right decision. And I just think it's the wrong question, period. They have this idea that if you just keep researching and keep dating different people, eventually you'll find the perfect person. And if they haven't found them yet, it's just a matter of not having met them or not having done enough research. And Mm -hmm. I just have a completely different approach. It's not like find the perfect person and then the relationship is easy. It's find someone great, invest in them, and build that great relationship. And before we get to the other two tendencies, Logan has some proof to her claims for you maximizers. For these people, I say a version of, You've likely already met someone who would be a great partner. And to prove that point, I point to this concept called the secretary problem. And this is a concept I found out about through a book called Algorithms to Live By. It's basically a mathematical riddle, and then there's a mathematically correct answer. So imagine you're hiring an admin, and you have 100 possible candidates. You have to go through them one by one, and after each one, you say yes or no, do you want to hire them? So there's clearly a strategy here. You don't want to hire someone too quickly because you haven't seen the pool of what's out there, but you don't want to wait until the end because what if all the good candidates have passed by? And also it takes time and energy to interview that many people. So the question is, at what point should you hire someone? So the mathematically correct answer here is that you interview 33 of the candidates And you say, now I have a representative sample of the candidates. Who was the single best person from that pool? That is now my benchmark person. Then as you continue hiring, you say, the next time I meet someone who I like as much or more than that benchmark, I will hire them. So maybe that's person 45, maybe that's person 55. We don't know, but you've basically seen what's out there, gotten a sense of it, and then you hire the person who you like as much as your benchmark person. So how do you apply that to dating? There's no world in which you're like, well, I have 100 possible dating suitors and dating candidates, right? There's no equivalent to that. But what they do in this book, Algorithms to Live By, is they think about it in terms of how many years you might be dating. So let's say you're going to date from the ages of 18 to 40. What is a third of the way through that? A third of the way through that is 26.1 years old. So by the time you're 26, theoretically, you've dated a third of the people. So you now look back at who you dated and you say, who was the single best person I dated from that time? Now, the next time I meet someone who I like as much or more than that person, I'm going to try to commit to them and be with them. When I say this to people, they often get stressed out because they say, I'm way past 26. Are you saying I should have been with my ex from when I was 24? Like, no, 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 this is not about going back to get your ex. In fact, I'm all about blocking your ex. It's about understanding that you have already met someone great and that you don't need to do a hundred more years of research. You need to find someone and build a relationship with them. And so it's really about the metaphor of stop waiting for the perfect person to come along. It's more about recognizing when you meet those people Understanding that everyone comes with strengths and weaknesses and putting in the effort to build the relationship you want, not just waiting for that great relationship to be discovered. The next tendency is the hesitator. And there are just so many hesitators right now. The pandemic has not been good for hesitators. Hesitators Mm -hmm. have unrealistic expectations of themselves. 
And so the hesitator is the person who says, I'm just not ready to date yet. I'll be ready to date when dot, dot, dot. I lose 10 pounds. I have a more impressive job. I clean up my apartment. I figure stuff out with my sister. There's always a reason why they can't date yet. And sometimes it has to do with self-love. And it's like, I'm not lovable yet. Why would I want to put myself out there and meet someone great when I could meet her and she could be like, oh, you're a hot mess. I don't want to be with you. I should try to make myself the best version and then meet people. And so I empathize and I understand where that comes from, but that's actually just not a good strategy. And that's for two reasons. One is dating is a skill. You only get better at dating by actually going on dates. So it's not like one day you're 100% ready to date and you go out there and someone falls in love with you. You're actively getting better over time by dating. And the second thing is tying together some of the themes that we've been talking about. You may not know who will make you happiest long-term. In fact, you probably don't. And so you need to be out there trying on different people in different relationships to see who makes you happiest long-term. And that takes time. If you're just sitting at home reading books on relationships, you're not figuring out dynamics and, well, someone who's super ambitious actually makes me feel self-conscious or someone who's super sporty, we just don't spend that much time together. You have to go out there and see how different dynamics impact you. And so for the hesitators, I would just say, stop waiting and start dating. Set a timeline, set a deadline, say, in the next three weeks, I'm going to download the apps. I'm going to get one or two cute dating outfits. I'm going to put together a cute profile and I'm just going to start. Maybe I go on a date a week, a date a month, whatever it is. There's no value in sitting around making excuses and not dating. And if you say I'm working on myself, great, do that in tandem with dating. Lots of people are in therapy. We just did this awesome research at Hinge that found that almost 90% of people would rather date someone who's in therapy. And in fact, you're more likely to get a second date if on the first date you say that you're in therapy. And so mental health is hot right now. (laughs) Keep working on it. But it doesn't mean that you have to wait to date until you've quote unquote fixed yourself because I don't even believe in that concept. You're working on yourself while you're dating. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. The third type, which you said you got on the quiz, was the romanticizer. Mm -hmm. And the romanticizer is the one who loves love. You mentioned the movie The Holiday, right? They love rom-coms. They're waiting to be at the ferry building and at the farmer's market and reach across for that perfect tomato at the same time as their future partner. And they look into each other's eyes and it's immediate chemistry. And it's, yes, that's the we met. That's the... That's the moment where you know this is the right person for you. When I work with romanticizers, I find that they have these unrealistic expectations of relationships. They expect the soulmate. They expect, I'll know it when I see it. They don't necessarily like dating apps or putting work in because they're like, that's unromantic. It should just happen to me. (laughs) And they also have a very clear image in their head of what their future person will look like. There's kind of a, Mm. you know, he or she is going to look like this. And so what's challenging with romanticizers is I often have to say to them, I don't believe in the one. I don't believe in a soulmate. There are many people who you could be with and have different lives with, different lives with, and each one of them is different and interesting. Not that everyone would work for you, but there are many people who you could have a great relationship with. It's helping them understand that putting effort in is romantic. Finding somebody 
is part of it, but it's not the only hard part. And I call that the happily ever after fallacy because the hard part is finding someone. Yes, that is part of the hard part, but then maintaining a great relationship for 50 years is also really hard. Mm -hmm. And so for the romanticizer, I work with them and I say, you should put in effort to find someone. It doesn't matter how you met. That's a tiny percentage of the overall relationship. And you should be open to this person coming in different packages because it's possible that you're very anchored on a specific type of person looking a certain way, and you might be wrong about who will make you happiest long-term. Yes, I heard her. Open mind for the long-term. And so I'm curious, how do we stop getting distracted by the flings and the sparks? I know the chapter in your book called Fuck the Spark and wondered what's the story behind that and how can we especially as a romanticizer, how can we be more realistic about the sparks that we do find while we're dating? Sure. It's been fun since the book came out. This idea of fuck the spark has kind of taken on a life of its own. And I'm happy with that because I really think that it's a very dangerous part of modern dating. I would have these dating coaching clients where this guy would go out, he would go on a date, he'd come and talk to me and he'd say, all right, I met this man. He was cute. He was smart. We had a really good conversation. I'm not going to see him again. And I would be like, what are you talking about? And he'd be like, yeah, I just didn't feel the spark. So the spark has become this term, this all-encompassing term that means instant chemistry, fireworks, puppies and unicorns, rainbows, the whole thing. People are like, either you have it or you don't, and then they don't want to see the person again. And so my whole thing with fuck the spark, I'm not saying the spark doesn't exist or it's bad. I'm saying that we're way too anchored on needing it. And so I have these three myths of the spark. So the first one is the spark can't grow over time. And that's just definitely not true. There are so many examples of people who met at work and developed a crush on each other and then got together, people who live in the same apartment building or dorm. And there's this concept called the mere exposure effect. The more you see someone or hear someone or really anything, the more you like it. And I'm sure you've had that happen with a song before. The first time you hear it, you're like, eh, and then it grows on you. So yes, the spark can and absolutely does grow over time. Most couples did not experience love at first sight. And just because you didn't feel the instant spark doesn't mean it can't grow. The second myth is that if you feel the spark, then it's a good thing. And sometimes it is, but that's not always true. Some people are just very sparky and you feel the spark when you're with that person and you think, oh, I have a connection with this person, but they give that feeling to so many people. And that's a very confusing idea, but I think it's helpful to understand just because you feel the spark, it doesn't mean that you necessarily should be with this person. And then the last myth is if you feel the spark, then the relationship has long-term potential. And that's also not true. A lot of now divorced couples or unhappily married couples had the spark and it's enough to get you into a relationship, but it may not be enough to keep you in a relationship. And so my whole thing is fuck the spark and go after the slow burn. And the slow burn is the person who gets better over time is super reliable, kind, loyal. They can also be very attractive and someone who you're super into, but it's not like the first time you meet them, you're blown away. And then afterwards they just disappoint you. It's someone where actually your interest in them continues to grow. You peel back the layers and you say, you're so much funnier than I thought, or I'm actually fascinated by their relationship with their friends, or they have such a 
creative sense of adventure. They're so, they're always doing projects, right? It's like the more you get to know them, you more you like them. And I really feel like slow burns, especially when they're introverted, are under appreciated by our society. And I'm all about the slow burn. Yeah. I I hope I can become someone who is into the slow burn. <laughs> well, what do you think is hard about that for you? Um, I don't know. I guess I'm just like, I want the instant gratification, mm-hmm. I suppose. But then mm-hmm. obviously, if it goes up so fast, sometimes it cr- obviously crashes down so 100%. fast at the same time. So it's like, that's a roller coaster I don't want to be on. But also, when you think of a slow burn, maybe it's worse because you get to know this person so much. And then what mm-hmm. if, if that doesn't pan out, it's like, this took forever. And I should have known this like weeks ago. You know, Mm. that's an interesting, I haven't thought about that point before. And I I see where you're coming from. It's like, okay, the spark person is a firework that takes off. It's really fun on the way up. It's really fast on the way down, but at least it wasn't that much time. Exactly. Whereas the slow burn might be like a slow cooking chili or curry and it's a long time. And you're like, man, if I invest a bunch of time into that and that also doesn't work out, what a disappointment. And then I have to like, it's just, you're thinking, (laughs) right. You're thinking about it from a time perspective, but I would just say like, in my experience, like anecdotally and through research, I feel like those often work out. Think about it this way. I don't know what kind of movies you're into, but let's say you were like, Logan, I just saw Spider-Man and I loved it. I'd be like, cool. So did literally millions and millions of people (laughs) around the world. Right. Yeah. Like some people have seen it in theaters like five times. But there's a different feeling when you're like, oh, I discovered this movie from the 60s on Netflix that no one's ever told me about, and it was actually so beautiful. There's something about like finding the special gem, the needle in the haystack that no one else has found and being like, I see something beautiful in this. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like strategically that often ends up working in dating because instead of competing with like the sparky person that everyone else wants, you're actually noticing the potential and the beauty of someone else. And that person maybe hasn't had as much attention. And that can just create a dynamic where both of you are valuing each other in a different way. And speaking of finding the needle in the haystack, Logan has been helping daters do just that on a new podcast called This Is Dating. I wondered what she took away from her experience making the show and what advice she has for us daters strapped with an ever-evolving pandemic but looking to get back in the driver's seat and take control of our love lives. This is Dating is a new podcast that I've been working on. It came out in January of 2022. And you listen in on four daters who are navigating the world of pandemic dating. What's really fun about it is that You hear me coaching them about what's going on in their dating lives. You hear them getting set up on blind dates. You listen to the dates themselves. Then the producers and I are actually asking questions in the Zoom chat to stir things up a bit in on the date. And then you hear me coaching them afterwards, talking about how they liked the person, how it went, the debrief, et cetera. And when we cast the different characters, we did think about the three dating tendencies. And so we're not necessarily super explicit about it, but we do have the hesitator, the maximizer, the romanticizer, et cetera. And so it's really interesting in a real life setting to hear, well, the hesitator is definitely not dating during the pandemic. And how do we push her out there? And what does the maximizer say that he wants, but what does he actually want? And what's going on with the romanticizer and how does that impact how she thinks about 
online dating and things like that. And so my advice to people is don't put your life on hold. Don't sit around hesitating, waiting for the world to suddenly be easy. I think, you know, the pandemic or more an, an endemic version of the coronavirus is here to stay. And yeah, I think my biggest piece of advice is getting clear on what you want. And so taking that time to say, who am I? What kind of relationships have I had in the past? Who tends to end them, me or the other person? What do I think I want? Can I test if that's true? Sometimes people come to me and they're like, I've gone on a hundred dates in the last two years and nothing's worked out. You know, what should I do? And I'm like, you could go on a hundred more dates and the same thing would work out because your mindset's holding you back. What you're looking for is holding you back. Your attitude's holding you back. And we actually have to shift what's going on with you. It's not just a matter of meeting someone. And so I think a really important step is just getting clear with yourself around your own habits and getting clear with yourself about what you want. This romanticizer has a lot of introspective work to do. On today's show, you heard me in conversation with Logan Yuri. This episode was produced by Ella Dove, Kate Spees, and myself, Taylor Camille, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Mixing and scoring by our sound engineer, Joanna Samuel, and our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt DiDomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.